Community Helpers Unite has grown significantly over the past year, upcycling food and providing meals to those in need. Chu has seen how food prices have affected Winnipeggers and is doing what it can to help by providing meals, teaching how to make food last longer, and inspiring community cooperation. Let's get into it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, yeah, so my name is Brandy Bobier. Uh, I'm the CEO and Community Connector for Community Helpers Unite, um, but I'm also the Food Security Coordinator for the North End Community Renewal Corporation. So we work hand in hand to pass resources back and forth and uh, make sure that we can use my connections and resources at NERC to offset what we're doing here at Community Helpers Unite or CHU. Um, since the last time we talked, we've uh, we've actually increased exponentially again. Um, I think last time we talked, we were we were just getting into, or we were just like a year in operation with Nadinoe Mac as the food service partner. Um, and now we've actually increased our warehouse space. We've doubled it. We took over the unit next door because we had one and a third unit where it housed us and leftovers rescue food. Um, but now we've moved leftovers rescue food into unit three. We've got unit two, three, and four now. <laughs> and wow. uh, so leftovers has moved into a, a bigger section so that they can increase their volume and which in turn provides us with more food as well as all the other hundred agencies that they provide services to. Um, but at the same time, it allows us to park our transport van for de food deliveries um, and donation pickups uh, indoors. That way it's safe because we are at Jarvis and McGregor. <laughs> um, we also have a new hamper program that we opened up out of the new Unit 4 side. Uh, it's actually a paid hamper program through Jordan's Principal. It's with SERDC, that's the uh, Southeastern Resource Development Council. Uh, and they have like a family food support program for people living off reserve. And it wasn't, uh, it was an, a very hard to track and a hard to keep accountable program the way that it was structured previously. And they were starting to see a lot of problems with like the lack of dignified service and the lack of customer service from these for-profit grocery stores that they were dealing with, uh, that they were sending food POs to, uh, purchase orders to. And so when I approached them and said, hey, like we we could do a standard family food support program where we do like really good boxes that are like pantry box, uh, dairy and deli box, uh, uh, frozen meat packs that are really good variety. Yeah, all that good basics. Um, and then the people don't have to be transported to the grocery store. They don't have to be policed on site as to what the employees think are junk food or what they can and can't put on the, the purchase order. Um, and then we know that they're getting meal making items and they're getting lunchbox friendly items for their kids. So it's been about six weeks now. And so far, things are going really well. We've had a lot of good feedback and a couple other agencies that have come on board to, to get on the program as well. So we're seeing a lot of really good impact. Um, and because it's being delivered by the respite workers and ordered by the case managers, it's giving those staff extra touch points with these families so they can actually see if there's other things happening that, that they need to address or that they need resources for. And they can keep better communication with them, which I think in the long yeah, run. Yeah, sort of a, a two-pronged approach sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so we've we've got all that rolling out of the warehouse, but then we also have our, our food services kitchen, our production kitchen at Salvation Army Wiedema building, which I think we were just in for like maybe a year last time we talked. Mm -hmm. And now we're 
Uh, December, no, November 25th uh, was our two-year anniversary being wow. there. And December 1st was the two-year anniversary of the opening of Nidinawemak at 190 Disraeli. Yeah, we got to have a big celebration. Um, we had a pipe ceremony and a water ceremony and had a feast after. And the relative, the 150 relatives who reside there got to have the same feast that we did. Oh, that's exciting. So we provided, that's amazing. oh, and we were able to provide this amazing lunch because one of the partners went hunting and him and his family, they caught a moose. Ooh. So we were able to provide moose stew and bannock and berry crisp for dessert and give give everybody that wonderful comfort traditional food oh that's so exciting yeah and they just everybody loved it it was so beautiful um but yeah so we we've been growing at the community kitchen at the uh, at salvation army widama because now we're utilizing a lot more donations that we're receiving uh, the word's getting out and we're getting a lot more donated food um and in turn we've been able to turn that plus our production overage for indigenous mac into um soups and stews and sandwiches for 20 different community walks that walk the streets of Winnipeg. And so they go like through the lower income neighborhoods, they go down to the tent encampments, they go to the riverbank encampments and things like that. And they're just handing out the love via food. Grassroots organizations like yourselves are so important because as you're mentioning, you're connecting to so many different aspects within the community, seeing what needs there are and helping fill those needs. And I mean, it's really cool to see how much you've grown over these past two years. I mean, it, it, it is always sad when we need organizations like this to support people, but it's amazing and great that you are there to help in those needs. So you're mentioning a number of different programs and um, partners that you work with. I think I heard Leftovers in there. Yeah, we're still connected with Leftovers. Yeah. So Leftovers Rescue Food, I actually was the sole proprietor caterer who reached out to Leftovers in 2019 and said, hey, you're like, I'm responsibly using my leftover food from production. Everybody should be doing it. And you guys have a really great app-based model that is doing that in Alberta. Can you bring it here to Winnipeg? And they got back to me when they got national funding status and we launched it in 2020. And so, and, and shortly after I resigned because we started Community Helpers Unite after I saw the gaps in the system where people just weren't being fed and there just wasn't a way to feed them, I guess, because others weren't thinking outside the box the way that I do. Um, and we were able to really start Community Helpers Unite as a gap filler. And so far that's, that's why we've been so successful. And it's cool that you mentioned about the, uh, that you acknowledged about the, um, uh, about leftovers being a part of what we're doing, um, but also that it's sad that there's this much need, um, but good that there's organizations like us because our goal at CHU is to be put out of business, essentially. Like we don't have this like lofty 25 year goal where we're going to grow Community Helpers Unite and whatever, whatever. Yeah, if you're reaching we, 25, ideally, 50 years, there's oh. really something going on out there. <laughs> When, when it comes down to it, like we're, we don't want to see food security be an issue in five years from now. We want to figure out these ways that we're doing these, these offshoot and rogue ways that we're doing food security and providing people with food security. Um, we want those to build that rapport with, with community members who need it the most so that we can then talk to them about what they need to get out of those cycles. And 
have that start those conversations with them and provide them with those opportunities to break barriers to employment so that they can get off of EIA or so that they can offset their permanent disability that they can't get off of, but they can offset it in a different way so that they can become food secure and so that they can have a better quality of life. So we work in that way to make sure that, yes, we're doing catering and as a social enterprise, and yes, we're doing food services for nonprofits, including at, at a homeless shelter, a women's shelter, and an elders residence. But the goal isn't to do that forever. The goal is to get those people where they don't need to be in those social service environments in the first place. And then focus more on education and training. Now that we have a new provincial government in place, hopefully we see some new changes (laughs) and some positive changes. So organizations like yourself don't have to exist because, yeah, that is always the goal. That is always the dream that the systems in place and the current economy are in a place where people can succeed, where people can thrive. Yep, exactly. I don't know, like, I've been checking with a lot of people since the election about like people that have been in community work and in social services for a long time. And they're like, oh, I remember we used to have NDP government and it was great, even though it was only uh, a minority government, you know, they were still able to get some things done and this and that and more money for community organizations and things. But it's really cool the way that we're in a majority government now, because all the things that we've been talking with the NDP about for years, we can actually get them done now because they have the full say. It's cool. I've never done community work under anything but a PC government. That's why we started as a social enterprise because there literally was all these agencies fighting tooth and nail for the funding that existed, never mind bringing in a new organization like us and go, yeah, give us the money. That's what everybody's doing. So, I mean, we've been flying along with with catering helping to provide us with that financial stability so that we don't have to be a part of that oh my god we need a bigger funding pool kind of racket now with there being an ndp government i think that we're going to see a lot more money coming back to community programming focusing on prevention and mental health and the social systems that create the poverty in the first place fingers crossed fingers crossed (laughs) one of the things you're talking about before is food rescue. And I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people, they might be confused with like, what what does that even mean? Rescuing food? The kind of methods and groups that you have in place in order for this food not to go to waste. There is a high level, because Winnipeg is the center for ground travel, for distribution of food coming from the States, coming like coming from producers, coming from the States, coming from overseas, whatever. If it hits the ground, Winnipeg is the is the hub for ground travel. So if something is found by a distributor or a grocery store or some other producer along the way or middleman uh, to be like refrigeration issues or quality issues or um, spec issues. My favorite right now in the last two months is Costco turning away an entire pallet of cucumbers because they were an inch and a half too short. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they couldn't sell them. So they didn't even hit the floor. Thankfully, we we got them because we do yeah. pickups at Costco regularly and Leftovers Rescue Food initiated that and said, hey, Costco said they have two pallets of cucumbers that they can't sell because they're, they're, they're not the right spec. So can we go and pick them up in the transport van? The answer is always yes. <laughs> and we ended up distributing those. Julia at Leftovers distributed them within, I think, a day or less, like maybe within a matter of hours. Um, And I mean, our organization got to take 
I think we got like half of a pallet because of all the community walks that we serve and the high volume of meals that we do. So we were able to take like half of one of the pallets and have it out within a few days. It was incredible. But like these are the things where these distributors previous to, to rescue food being in Winnipeg, previous to leftovers launching here and, and second harvest launching here and loop and food mesh and all those little organizations that, that rescue food, they, um, they are, they're all organizations that do basically the same thing, but in different sort of different ways. Yeah. So they take that food from the donors where the donors, they get in contact with the donors and the donors say, Oh yeah, I have this thing that needs to go. That's going in the garbage because it looks ugly or it's not, shaped right or my favorite with costco past the 72 hour freshness guarantee <laughs> so they can't sell it i guess <laughs> and so we so these organizations will whoever they're working with they will say okay let's have a volunteer go pick it up or hey let's have somebody drop it off or something like mm-hmm. that and then that goes out to the agencies that those organizations have called out as their partner agencies and they send out maybe a blast email saying, hey, we've got two pallets of cucumbers that came in. First come, first serve, come and pick up. And then agencies will come and pick up. For those that don't have a vehicle, because a lot of smaller grassroots groups don't have like a van available or a staff person to come and pick up, Leftovers has volunteers on an app that will go and do that route where they'll come to the warehouse to pick up or they'll go to Cisco to pick up or they'll go to Costco or wherever. Red River Co-op grocery stores or Cobb's Bread or whatever. And they go and they do that pickup and they drop it off to the agency. So it removes that that barrier of not having a person and a volunteer. Well, I think it's just always so mind-boggling how much food gets wasted. And I just brought up a, a few it's statistics. Uh, I think in, uh, in Canada, over 3.2 million metric tons of edible food goes to waste annually. Yeah. And only about 4% is rescued. And as you're talking about leftovers, I yep. think at their statistics for all leftover foundation locations, they saved about 539,000 pounds of food, something like that. Something so like that. Yeah. it's it's just so interesting in our current society how we often just forget about these things that with our food it just goes goes to waste like you're mentioning. Yeah. An inch too short for a cucumber sort of thing. and Whole pallet's gone because it's an inch too short. Or like Peak of the Market. It's cool the partnership that Leftovers has with Peak of the Market because they have these 1,000-pound bins and 2,000-pound totes of potatoes. And they'll go through. They come out of a hopper, and they go through them quality control and says, oh, yeah, that one's too big. That one's too small. Oh, all of these are too gnarly looking. They're too knobbly. We can't use these ones. So even the Superstore Imperfect naturally imperfect bags that they have, they don't even pass to go into those bags. Interesting. And they go, no, we can't sell those. So then they hold those those um, totes or the, or the bins until they have 24, the footprint of 24 of those, uh, of those package sizes. And then that fills a 53 foot trailer. So once they have 24 sitting, then they are close to it. Then they post it on food banks of Canada and then somebody comes all the way from Quebec or all the way from BC and picks up all those potatoes and takes them back. Because right now we're the only ones, like Leftovers is the only one other than R.B. Russell High School through Food Rescue, like through Second Harvest, that takes those full bins and boxes them themselves. 
we're taking as much as we can. They're taking as much as they can. If somebody like Harvest Manitoba were to get in there and be like, yeah, we'll take 10,000 pounds a week, then they wouldn't have to ship them anywhere. And the carbon footprint reduces vastly. So like it kind of has all aspects. Not only are you reducing the carbon footprint because you're not transporting stuff as much. That food's getting to people who need it. And all of this kind of ties together with your uh, kitchen because you're mentioning last time you got um, a bunch of food or like – I can't remember if it was tomatoes or something. Oh, there's always like something. Yeah, we're right we're on the edge. Donations. And then you got them there and started like canning uh, canning them and like making soups and the stuff. The tomato situation. <laughs> that was a fun <laughs> one. It was like, a, I think it was like a Friday afternoon and Gordon Food Service called me and said, Brandy, we have a pallet of tomatoes that are not going to last the weekend. Can I send them to you? Like we'll throw them on our truck even just to get them out of here. And we'll bring them to you. I said, yeah, absolutely. And they brought it to our kitchen and we spent the entire weekend. I think they dedicate, we dedicated like two or three staff to just coring the tomatoes, putting them on trays, oiling them and then baking them. Wow. And then freezing them. It was just, it was a production line of just process the tomatoes so that we can save them. Yeah. And then we literally would empty for months after that. We would literally use, no, it was probably about two months after that, before we went through them all, we would literally just empty the tomatoes into the the big soup kettle. We have a 40 gallon soup kettle. So for making tomato sauce, great. Empty the tomatoes in, throw your garlic and your basil and your seasonings in, and then take our big immersion blender and buzz the whole thing until it's nice and sweet. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have sauce. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it yeah. was incredible. Like that, and that's a huge cost savings to us because we buy canned tomatoes all the time. We buy diced, we buy crushed, you know, like, and we use them in so many different things, whether it's soups or stews, um, whether it's like tomato sauce, lasagna, any kind of baked pastas, we're using crushed tomatoes. And it's one of those nutrient dense things that's that's really good for people because it's high in vitamin C. And I think a cool thing about chew is it's an inspiration. To everyone, like other organizations can kind of take your out of the box thinking and ingenuity to apply to themselves to make a difference. And for individuals, it's like, hey, maybe I can apply some of these things so I'm not wasting as much food as possible and kind of like changing the cycle that's out there, changing minds as well. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the way I like when I get to talk to people about it and spread that word about upcycling food and, and really not being so picky. <laughs> exactly. You know, if something doesn't look nice, don't just throw it away. Either cook it into something or freeze it, you know, chop it up and freeze it. And it looks the same as everything else. Right. Exactly. Or if you have to compost it or if you have a farm, give it to your animals or if you know a farmer collect stuff for them and and then have them come and pick up. We, we have a couple of farmers that come to us um, at our big kitchen. So it offsets our compost cost because we pay for composting. On one hand, we actually have two different compost programs running right now out of our big kitchen. One is through Compost Winnipeg, which we pay for, for them to come and pick up. Before we fill our Compost Winnipeg bins, we fill our Carbon Lock Tech bins, which are amazing because we don't have to pay for them to get filled up and, and emptied and the guys from carbon lock tech are actually doing a like research and development or um, piloting right now this machine that they created that actually takes the compost and compresses it and burns it at the same time to create biochar which is like little charcoal bricks 
that okay. can go and get crumbled up back into your soil. Oh, bringing that nutrients yeah, back into right. There. It brings the nutrients back into the soil, and as they're burning and compressing everything, they have a capture system to capture any emissions. Very cool. It, it's so cool. So we're we're so happy to to work with them as a partner and support them in their uh, development of this product, and at the same time, it offsets our compost cost as well. So we've got farmers that we call for certain things that aren't quite ready to compost, but we just got to get rid of them because we're not going to use them. Um, and then if there's things that we can't upcycle because they're too far gone, we compost them. It's it's very full circle the way that we've been operating. Yeah, I think it's just so awesome. The multifaceted approach to an organization looking at all aspects and what we can do to improve our communities around us. As you're talking about finding new ways to use food as individuals, like one of the things I've been trying to do is pickle things. A lot of the time, I don't go through that many onions. So when I cut an onion, a lot of the times, half of it would go to waste. So now it's, you know, you just take a little bit extra time, maybe an hour of your day sort of thing. Yep. Pickle that leftover exactly. onion, and then you've got a tasty little, either a treat or to put on other meals and things. You know what? I actually just, uh, I my my dad taught me about pickling and preserving when I was a kid. And as an adult, I hadn't really done it myself. And then my husband and I started growing a garden. Um, we had grown a couple gardens when the kids were babies, like when they're little, little. And then we kind of got out of it and it wasn't doing very well. So we we're like, ah, whatever. And we left it alone for a bit. And just the last two years, we started really heavily gardening again and actually collecting all of our harvest to preserve things. Finally started because I was just freezing things primarily like zucchini and squash and stuff and you know, cube it up or slice it up or spaghetti it or something and just freeze it. But just this year, I started learning, teaching myself about canning and pickling things. And I was like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah, a lot of techniques and skills that have been lost kind of a little bit. I've started to get into like drying things too, because we grow a lot of herbs. So like this year I had, oh, I think I had like this, this trough garden box. Like it was probably like a two foot by four foot garden box and it was full of basil and cilantro. And I was actually able to, I've never dried cilantro before, but I was able to dry cilantro and I was able to dry basil and have my own dried basil ready to go. Like I have all these jars of, of just dried herbs now and it's been incredible. Yeah. It's a self-reliance sort of thing that a lot of things have kind of pushed us towards relying on oh, yeah and now they've made it so expensive that people are struggling to keep up with it but that's the way that they've learned how to how to operate so now it's it's that time where we're just like trying to teach people a different way for this upcoming christmas season what sort of demands are you seeing and how can people help out to to help people who are kind of struggling at this time? Well, we have actually an unprecedented number of hampers that have been requested already, even though we don't have a hamper program that you can sign up for. <laughs> oh boy. It's all sort of word <laughs> yeah. of mouth sort of thing. We just, yeah, we've just had people asking us like from the agencies that we work with, because we primarily like, we don't serve the public out of our warehouse with our, our emergency hamper program. We only serve the case managers and the outreach workers. So like action therapy outreach. And, uh, and CFS, uh, Métis CFS and um, the public health nurses at the different access clinics. Um, and they'll reach out to us and be like, hey, do you know where I can get, in this case, some turkeys? Do you know where I can get small turkeys? 
Do you know where I can get medium-sized turkeys? Do you know where I can get cranberry sauce? Do you know where I can get boxes of stuffing? Like a lot of them. We know where we can get potatoes, um, but people are asking for a lot of Christmas hampers this year. And I'm like, I don't want to say no, but we need to be able to get some turkeys. So that is the thing that I need this year. We need cash donations via e-transfer. Um, and also we need turkeys, frozen turkeys. turkeys. Cash and turkeys. <laughs> Cash and turkeys, man. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking for, because we, we had purchased all of our large turkeys for our, for the meals that we're making. But now it's just like the smaller, like the, the small size turkeys. So like the six person family size turkeys, like uh, five to seven kilogram or even the seven to nine kilogram. Um, yeah, because we've purchased all the other ones that we, that we can uh, in the larger sizes. But it's just those smaller ones that we're looking for. And those seem to be the ones that are going the fastest at the stores. So, yeah, if we can get some donations of those, I'd be absolutely rocking for Christmas. What about volunteer hours? Is there a way people can help out by, you know, giving their time? Yeah, definitely. We've actually got, uh, I actually have a poster that I'm putting up on our social media in the next couple days um, about volunteering to serve meals at a number of organizations that we help out. Um, we have meals to serve at Mac. We have meals to serve at Kikinen Center. We have meals to serve for women at Equi Shelter. And then we also have um, drivers that are needed to transport those meals. Uh, the reason we're doing it that way this year is so that we can give our very hardworking staff some days off and really just run skeleton crew, but not have it affect our production. And anybody who's interested, I'll give you the links for people to reach out to me via email or text. Uh, or social media fantastic yeah it's you know it's it's a hard time and it's kind of a all hands on deck sort of situation to help Absolutely out our community Amazing. yeah it'll take all of us to work together to get it done but i mean that's why we started it as collaboration over competition just say yes and get it done you can send an e-transfer to finance at communityhelpersunite.ca with the password helpers have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one.